Well, uh, last weekend, I flew back to New Jersey for my 25th year college reunion. Uh, and, uh, you know, major reunion like that, you can't help but think about uh, how life was like for you 25 years ago, how I was like, how I looked like 25 years ago. And so I, just, I want you guys to know just how good I looked 25 years ago. Um, here's a, a picture from a, a track. Yeah, I look good, don't I? I mean, that... I mean, I'm not fronting here. Like, I look at that muscle definition. <laughs> this is from a sophomore, junior year. You know, I, I, going back, maybe think to when I was in that kind of college athlete shape. Uh, now, heading back there this weekend, obviously, I, I'm far away from college athlete shape. However, I did think to myself, I'm, I'm still looking pretty good. I don't look that different. I looked at some of my uh, classmates' pictures uh, heading back, and I'm like, yeah, the, the years have not been kind. Uh, <laughs> and that was confirmed when I saw them in person. So I was feeling pretty good about myself. Like, I know I'm not that, but I'm pretty good. Uh, I made a big mistake uh, when I got there. They had this little photo booth. They had a bunch of different things on campus. Had a little photo booth. I, I took a picture with my son, Judah. Uh, it had a little kind of green screen thing. I thought, this will be fun to do. I should not have done this. Here's the, the picture that came out from that. And, and I, I just want to be very specific about the problem here. <laughs> I was horrified. I was like, where did that come from? I'm convinced it was, I was wearing like a dry fit t-shirt, so I'm convinced it was sort of, you know, the pose. Um, and I was like, I thought I was doing good. I've lost some weight recently, but that picture I was like, where did that baby come from? It was, <laughs> it was, I was not happy. I almost went right back in line to retake the picture. Um, this was my real life reminder that it really has been 25 years. <laughs> it's been 25 years. Um, you know, it, ma it made me think of, of a verse in the Bible, uh, <laughs> which uh, goes like this. This is from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Nothing really lasts. Uh, you can be young and strong, but eventually the youth goes away, and yes, eventually the strength goes away. It becomes, at least, at the very least, strength becomes harder and harder to hold on to. You can have it, but it's hard to hold on to it. It's hard to keep it. You know, if you think about it, measured across a lifetime, um, you spend very little time at the top. <laughs> as soon as you get to the top, the, the prime of your youth and your strength, like gravity, it's like you're being pulled back down again. Michael Jordan spent 15 years in the NBA, um, dominant, right? Arguably the best basketball player ever. He retired at 40. He's 59, year, 59 now, so that's 19 years outside of the NBA. If you've seen pictures of him, like more than a few of those years, he's spent a little hefty, right? A little paunchy. <laughs> um, more than a few. Uh, he's, he's, he's gained a few. Um, and he's only 59. He has way more years ahead of him. So arguably, the time he spent dominant, young, strong, right, over those 15 years is way less than the time he'll spend older, uh, with more weight gain, weaker, uh, not nearly as strong as he used to be. As strong and as healthy as you want to be, we have things that always are fighting against us, that make it hard to get strength and hold on to strength. The natural aging of your body the passing of time, all those things fight against us. We're all subject to weakness and fragility. And here, I'm not just talking about physically. I'm also talking about spiritually. All of us, 
no matter who we are, it's hard to stay, to get strong and to stay strong physically, but it's also hard to get strong and stay as strong as possible, spiritually speaking. To be spiritually strong and vital. When it comes to your spirit, your soul, and by this I'm talking about like the, the real you, the inner you, right? The, the, the essence of who you are. The, the part of you, the essence of you, your spirit, your soul, the Bible says will last forever. So that's really important, right? Your soul is really important. That's the thing that as most you, you're gonna, you want that to be strong. You want that to be vital, right? You want that to be stable. Who doesn't want that? But just like our bodies, our souls, the very heart of who you are, they face a lot of things that tear down at them, that break us down over the course of your life right now. You face tensions, you face trials, temptations. In those tensions, in those trials, in those temptations, you have to you face things like just self-destructive habits. You face addictions. Uh, there's some here who are facing anger issues. There's some here who are facing porn problems. We struggle with anxiousness, doubt, loneliness, body shame. Many of you here have souls that have had to endure divorce, layoffs, bullying, sickness, death. We want to be strong when we face those kind of things, but it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to be strong and stay strong with all that we've got to face. The reality is we will stumble, we will fail, we will fall, we will sin. And sometimes we recover quickly, we get back up, but other times not so much. There's areas of our life that we're just aware that we're constantly struggling with. It feels like we, we got weak and we can never really sort of get out of that loop, no matter what we do. That spiritual speaking, it's far easier to get flabby, uh, to, be, to be weakened and to stay that way. That's what our souls face. Fortunately, I do think we have some, some legit encouragement from the Bible this morning, from this passage that we have. The end of this letter that Paul wrote to the Roman church. When we come to this letter, I mean, you think about Paul's wrote this long letter. There's a lot of different ways Paul could have ended it, but here's how he chooses to end it. He ends it with a prayer that's also a doxology. Doxology is just an expression of praise to God. Right? Here's, here's praise I want to offer to God. It doesn't surprise me. Here's how Paul wants to end this. It's an appropriate way to end this letter. After all that Paul has written about the things God has done, how God has chosen us for himself, he's justified us, sanctified us, glorified us. How else can you end but in a prayer of praise to God? So that's surprising, a great way to end this letter. But in this, this prayer that, 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 that's offered here, I think we see here an encouragement towards us for how as we now leave this letter, we're going to leave this letter, we're going to go on in the rest of our Christian lives, right? Paul, in this doxology, offers encouragement towards how we can leave this letter and live out the things that he's talked about in this letter in strength, in endurance. Here's an encouragement towards how we can be spiritually strong. What we'll see this morning is that it's going to happen through the help of someone, first of all, and then through what that someone does. Someone helps us, and he helps us in a specific way. So who's the someone that helps us? Well, no surprise. The someone that helps us is God. But the point I want to make here in the doxology that, that, that Paul writes here is God is the one who makes us strong, not us. As we face the things our souls, our spirits have to face, what we need is strength. It's hard to hold on to strength. It's hard to get strong and stay strong 
And Paul, and what he says here, makes it clear only God can make that happen. Not you. Only God can make that happen. Notice how God is the thread that sort of holds together this, this prayer, this doxology. Paul writes, now to him, that's God, who's able to strengthen you. And he talks about how that happens. We'll get into that. But then he goes back to that and saying, according to the command of the eternal God, everything I just said. And then he ends, the last verse of this, of, this past, of, the, of, this, of this letter is, and then to the only wise God be glory forevermore. It's like this thread, isn't it, that's holding together what he's saying here. I want you to notice Paul is saying here, he's not saying here, okay, so you got to be strong, sort of like bear down, sort of man up, right? you got to just kind of be, get, get it together, get that sense of who you, what it means to, to, to stand up in this world. Be, be really strong, and don't worry, God's going to help you along the way, right? He's going to give you some tips as you sort of like really bear down and, and make sure you kind of are strong in and of yourself. Like he's going to pass on, he's going to cheer you as, you as you're running by, right? He's going to pass you that water bottle as you're running this race, right? That, 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 that's what God's going to do. God's there to, to help you, to coach you as you sort of kind of do these, th- as you sort of make sure you're, you're, you're strong as you face temptations, trials, temptations, temptations and trials and, and all these different things, right? That, that's, that's what needs to happen. That's not, that's not what Paul does. It's not what Paul says here. Paul says, now to him who is able to strengthen you. Paul is saying, you are not strong by what you do, it's by what God does. He's not pointing to you to be strong in your soul, to be spiritually strong. He's saying to God who makes us strong, to God who is able to strengthen us. I argue that this is, this is a key turn towards being a Christian. You're, becoming, you're starting to become a Christian when you begin to realize that true life, true power, true strength comes not from yourself. It comes from God. It comes from God. It always comes from God. And I think that, that I call this sort of the, the, the evidence of you're becoming a Christian because ways that show us not to be Christian is the ways in which we don't do that. How the reality is, like, we are so prone to thinking we've got it together ourselves, that we can do it ourselves, right? Um, I mean, we trust in our own judgment and our own understanding. Um, I've got it together, God. You know, it reminds me of... of of my kids when they were three, four, and five. Any of you who have young kids know sort of they always go through this phase where they're like constantly telling you, I've got it. <laughs> right? I've got it together. Like, don't do it. I can do it myself. Right? I can do this myself. Don't help me, mom, dad. I've got it. Right? They, they sort of go through that phase where they want to sort of show like they, 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 you don't need to help them. Or you're trying to put a seatbelt around them. Like, I, no, don't worry. I've got it. You know, they're trying to show them how to work a chainsaw. No, I've got it, right? No, I'm kidding. We don't show five-year-olds how to work chainsaws. Uh, but my point is, like, they want to do these different things, and, and yet the instinct is to show, like, no, I've got it. And I, I argue with sort of what young kids do. We, we do spiritually speaking. We so often sort of act as if, whether we say it or we certainly think it, like, I've got it together. You live like you've got it together. Look, I follow these blogs. Right? I read these books. I, I, you know, I do this training, I, I do, uh, I've got this, I've got these friends, these friends, and, and sure, I, I, God's not center to my life, but he's there, he's important. Again, what we do, so many people do, is treat God more like a coach, right, more like a, an, an advice partner, um, someone to, whose blog you follow, right, someone, who, a TV show you check in on every once in a while to get some good tips, 
We relegate God to that as we're sort of living our life, and it doesn't work. I mean, it can work for a period of time. It's possible. I'm not arguing that, like, what you're doing doesn't work at some level, but it works in the level of, like, same with me. Like, I, when I was running track, right? Certain, for a certain number of years, yes, I was great. <laughs> but eventually, on my own, like, it doesn't, nothing lasts. It can't last. Spiritually speaking, trying to do things on our own ultimately shows us that it's fleeting and fragile. We cannot be strong on our own. We cannot last on our own. What we need, what we desperately need is God. And check it out. God's got a good resume here. <laughs> this past, this doxology shows the kind of God that we have who is able to strengthen us. What kind of God is he? Verse 26, he's the God who commands from eternity past, right? According to the command of the eternal God. So when we're talking about God giving us strength, we're talking about someone who has been here always. Always. He's always existed. And from eternity past, before the world began, before you existed, before you were born, before there was a thought of you, in anyone's mind, God was there and he was commanding, he was speaking into existence. And everything that God has commanded and speaks before anything began has come to pass, will come to pass. Why? Because God was there before anything else was there. This is the God who we're talking about who can strengthen us. How does that compare to what you do? You can do what any of us can do. Look at this. Look at another thing on God's resume. He's the only wise God, which makes sense. If God has always been there, that means God knows a few things. <laughs> he knows what's up. He has wisdom. He has, a lot of us know, have knowledge, right? But God has infinite knowledge. Many of us think we might have wisdom, but God has infinite, perfect wisdom. He has the knowledge and he knows how to deploy that knowledge for the glory of God and the good of all people. This is the God that we're talking about. A God from eternity past who's able to command with power and authority. A God with wisdom. There's a lot more we could add to this resume, right? I mean, it's the whole Bible of all the things that this God is. But why do we need to? When it comes to spiritual strength, what's going to help us be strong in this world? What's going to help you have the kind of soul that's centered on what is good and true and right and beautiful, to have a soul that's not corrupted by evil and sin, that's not drawn and pulled down, to have a kind of soul that is not overwhelmed with anxieties and griefs and doubts, to have that kind of soul that can be strong and stay strong, it can only happen from God. So when we talk about having souls that are strong, we look to God. God can make us strong, and he does make us strong. So we look to God for strength. But now let's talk about how God makes us strong. How God will make your soul, your heart, your soul strong. How is he going to do this? Well, the answer is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice it says here, now to him who is able to strengthen you, how? According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Let me skip down. He says, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. We're made strong in the gospel, which is to say we're made strong in and through Jesus Christ. The gospel, of course, is the good news about Jesus. The gospel is the story of what God has done to save us through Jesus. Like, we're, this, in many ways, this is sort of a bookend to what Paul has been doing. Chapter 1 of Romans, Romans 1 verse 16, Paul began this letter explaining, look, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's how he began the letter. 
It's not surprising here's how he's going to end the letter. He's ending the letter in praise of God in the gospel. Showing that this gospel that is the power of God to save us is that same gospel that's the power of God to keep us saved. It saves us and it keeps us saved. As the good news of Jesus is preached, as the story about Jesus is proclaimed, as you believe in that that preached word about Jesus, the good news about Jesus, as you step, as you believe in this story of what God has done to save us through Jesus, you are saved. And as you continue to trust in this good news, as you continue to live in accordance to that gospel story, in the, as it says, the obedience of faith, as you believe these things and then show you believe it by obeying what God has to say to you about, about what it means to know and follow Jesus. As you believe and as you obey in obedience of faith, as you live in accordance with that, here's how you're going to be strong. You're strong in that belief. As you wrap yourself around the gospel, as you wrap yourself in that story, and as you live in light of what you say you believe, that's how your soul becomes strong and stays strong. You know, I, I think it's, it's like uh, teaching someone to, to, to drive a car, learning how to drive a car. I mean, cars are, are big machines. It's crazy that we let people drive around in those machines, right? And yet we do. And part of it is, is learning to, to, to trust in that you have the ability to drive a car. Um, but to dr- drive one requires that kind of level of trust. It requires believing I can sit in this thing and I can get around. I can, I can drive it. I can, I, can, I can do this. Now, it doesn't work if all you do every day is sit in your driveway and think, I believe I can drive this car, right? You believe it. It's good you recite it every day as you sit in the car in the driveway, but that's, that's, not, that's not enough. Eventually, you've got to pull that car out of the driveway. You've got to drive the roads. You've got to drive the highways, right? That's the way driving works. The way driving works is the more you do it, the more confident you become in it, the more secure you become in it, the more able you are to, to handle whatever is going to happen. Uh, and... What happens too is you, and this is I think a benefit of the day and age we live in, as you sort of drive the car, you become more confident in the car that you're in, you begin to realize we're in a day and age where cars sort of build confidence in our, in a, build confidence for us. Like we have cars now that like do automatic braking. We have cars that have warning signals that are able to switch lanes, right? That are able to, to, to help us when we face things that feel overwhelming, right? More and more now we have cars that even, even if something happens with airbags and other things like that, we have cars that are more safe than ever before. Being in that car itself secures us even, at, but the way we know we're secure is as we drive it, we realize we're secure. We realize we're, we can do this as we're in that car, as we drive that car. And, and this is a way of just, I think, saying this, that the gospel in many ways is like the car for our souls. But when we one up, it's like the car for your soul if that car was an impenetrable tank, right? As you believe in this gospel, as you put faith in Jesus and live in obedience to that faith in Jesus, as you drive the car that is the gospel, God makes you strong. As you wrap yourself in the gospel and believe in what it is you're in, you begin to realize what you're in is strength itself. It secures you and it stabilizes you. In fact, the gospel story, right, what God has done to save us through Jesus, it includes this. The story that God is writing includes making us strong. <laughs> making us strong in, as we believe and as we follow the obedience of faith. Notice the two accordings that are in our passage. That we're made strong according to the gospel. This gospel message and the preaching of Jesus. We're made strong 
according to God's eternal command. What's God's command? That the gospel would happen. <laughs> the gospel of how God is going to save us and secure us in Jesus. The gospel, the command of God that this message is going to go out to all peoples so that all peoples have an opportunity by faith in Jesus to believe and be made secure in the gospel. That middle section there of, of uh, in, verse 20, in verse 25 and 26, he makes clear that like this message, what God intended to do was always there. He, he describes it in verse 25 as, as if you see there as a mystery, right? A mystery that was kept secret for long, long ages. This is the Bible's way of just saying that there's things that God was saying he was going to do, right? From the very beginning, how God is going to save people through Jesus. But it wasn't clear. It was, it was almost like we had foggy glasses. People back then had foggy glasses and they couldn't see clearly what God was doing. But now, with the coming of Jesus, it's like those glasses are cleared up. And now it's clear. This is something God is doing for all nations, that by faith anyone can come to God through Jesus and find salvation and find a salvation that will make your soul strong and keep your soul strong. And that salvation that's going to strengthen you and keep you strengthened is the gospel. God strengthens us in and through the gospel, through what you believe about what God has done through Jesus and through what you then follow through on what you believe about Jesus. You drive the car as you begin to believe, as you begin to follow in obedience to what God has said about how he has saved you through Jesus. So let me give some examples of, of, of what I, how I think this looks like. This, this is just from Romans, right? So what are some things that we believe in that we then follow in obedience of faith that Paul has mentioned in Romans? Well, Paul in Romans talked about how God has intentionally chosen you for himself. Bible uses the word election, which I described as like, imagine just God, it's like the bear hug of God. God sees you and pulls you into himself and holds you tight. Like, that's a beautiful thing, if you think about this. To believe that God saw you and made a beeline for you from, the, from before the world began. And, and has moved throughout time and space and history to find you and to pull you into himself and to save you. As you believe that, and then you live in obedience to that. To live in obedience to that is to believe, is to, to live, no, live your life knowing that you have meaning and purpose. That someone loves you and has committed himself to you. Committed himself to you before you did anything. Before you accomplish anything. Which means, if you believe that, you begin to live in a way that shows, like, I don't have to earn anything in front of everyone. I don't have to, like, show that, like, I'm with it, right? That I, I deserve to be accepted or known and loved. You have the eternal God from before the foundations of the world who knew you and accepted you and adopted you for himself, who elected you for himself before you did anything. That says something about this God. And it, it frees you from saying, I've got to achieve, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, so that I can be known, accepted by whoever it is you think you need to be accepted. People in school, people in your job, people in your world, people your friend group on, on, on internet, whatever it is. Forget all that. You have the God of the universe who chose you for himself. Imagine what that does to strengthen your soul when you don't just believe that, but you begin to live like that's true. Because it is true. Here's another thing we're called to believe in Romans. We're called to believe that God has justified us. That means we are not guilty before God. Our sins are clear. We stand righteous before him. When you believe that, 
And then you live in obedience to that faith, believing that, what does it mean to live in obedience to that belief that you've been justified and you're not guilty? I tell people all the time, it's not so much, okay, never, never sin, right? All of us will sin. The question is, how quickly do you go to God when you sin? Go to God in the very moment, in that instant, and believing that God has justified you knows that the door of that, that chamber is always open. And God will always remind you, every time you fail, just confess it. I already will clear it. You're righteous before me. You're accepted before me. I've already paid the bill. You're part of my family. Imagine how that frees you from thinking like I've got to always have it together. Imagine how that gives you actually hope for any sin struggle that you have in your life, knowing already behind that is God justifying you and declaring you righteous. It gives a promise to where you're headed. It gives you the confidence of your soul to know that no matter the situation that you're in, you already know what God is doing to make you clear one day before him. That makes your soul strong. Romans also talks about how God has brought Jew and Gentile together in Jesus. When you believe that, and then you live in obedience to that, that means like you have an ability to have a relationship with anyone, <laughs> like close relationship with anyone, because God has brought Jew and Gentile together. He's, he's welcomed us in Christ, and now we're able to welcome one another. We're able to show love and honor to each other. You're able to be humble. You're able to admit when you're wrong to other people. You're able to, to enter into other people's perspective and see where they're coming from some, from some things. You're able to appreciate how people's conscience might be different from you in other areas. All these things begin to become part, a regular part of your life, and that makes your soul strong. It makes you able to handle more things than a lot of other people. It makes you able to live through more things than many other people. Live and handle things in communion with other people. That makes your soul strong when you believe that God has brought Jew and Gentile together and then you live it out. You know, people in our church community over the years, uh, over the last 16 plus years of Roosevelt, I've known a lot of people, and people have gone through divorce, through tragedy, uh, there's people who've gone through school challenges, college challenges, job challenges, people working through sins that, that, that seem to almost be like, I don't know, vines that are sort of just wrapped around them that they're constantly trying to pull off. Over the years, people have gone through a lot of things. But what has got people through those things, what gets any of us through any of those things is knowing that you can be actually strong in the midst of whatever you face, Whatever you must endure, you can be strong in heart and soul, and it happens through these rock-solid gospel truths. God's known you before the foundations of the world. He's justified you and sanctified you and will glorify you. That is 100% fact true, as true as the sun shines, as true as gravity, as true as water is wet. God has known you, saved you for himself. To believe that and then to live that makes your soul strong. It means that the, the story of your life is one that, that, that will not end in weakness and fragility. It ends in strength and power. We want to be seriously strong. Look to God who strengthens you as you believe in the gospel and you live in accordance to that gospel. Which is why as we end here, all the more we can say like Paul says, verse 27, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. God gets the glory, doesn't he, for this. God gets the credit for us becoming believers and staying strong as believers. 
Which, by the way, that also gives us confidence that this is going to work, right? This is going to happen, that God's going to do these things. Because, you see, God gets his glory by making us strong in him, right? By making us strong in his gospel, through the gospel and in the gospel. The stronger we get, the more God is glorified. And so God being glorified is like the sun shining, right? The sun will always shine. God will always be glorified. He, 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 he is glory in and of himself. And so to know then that God is always going to be glorified means then that in all that, as we believe all that Paul has written in this letter, and we live like we believe it, well, God will for sure be glorified through that, and we will be strong as we believe it and live it out. They're tied together. God will make sure he's glorified, and he's glorified as we're strong in the gospel. And so as we wrap ourselves in that gospel, we know we'll be strong. We know our heart and souls will stay strong, and they'll stay strong forever because God's glory will shine forever. Your body can and will get weaker. But here's the thing. Even when you're on your deathbed, one pastor I read put it this way. Even when you're on your deathbed, and the best you can do is blink out your answers with your eyelids. Even in that moment. Here's what's going to happen in that moment. Like, you can't even talk anymore. You just got to blink at people. Your soul and heart will never be stronger. You will know in your heart and soul in that moment such strength and vitality as you've never known before. Because in that moment, you'll know that your soul is moving on to become part of the building block to a kingdom and a world that will last forever. Your heart and soul will be part of building an eternal kingdom where God is glorified and Jesus reigns in truth and righteousness and beauty. And your soul is part of making that kingdom happen. In that moment, you, now, your loved ones will see your body waste away, and that will be hard. But you and your soul will probably barely notice it. You'll be overwhelmed with the glory of God and marvel at how he has secured your soul for that eternal state. You will be amazed at how strong it really is. Because in that moment, if you believed in Jesus and you followed after him, you will see the lifetime of what God has done to make you strong so that you will move into that place in joy, in glory. Why? Because God is going to be glorified forevermore. And by God's grace, we'll be part of it. Amen? Lord, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, we thank you for um, this time, and we thank you for uh, the fact um, that in and through Jesus, Lord, um, Lord, we we are strong, and we will remain strong. And so, Lord, um, give us more of Jesus. Lord, point us towards Him, wherever anyone is at, Lord, this morning. Um, Lord, I do pray that uh, they see um, the beauty. Uh, the, the truth, the reality, Lord, that uh, we can't do this on our own, but we are not on our own. Or may we, Lord, I don't care how long any of us, have, maybe some of you have been Christians or some of us have been Christians for a long time. We all need the same thing. <laughs> um, and it's easy, Lord, whether we just became Christian or we've been Christians a long time, it's easy to forget um, that we can't treat you as our coach or as just as our advisor. I mean, you do some good coaching and you give us some good advice. <laughs> But we need you as more than that. We need you as our cornerstone. We need Jesus as the cornerstone 
upon which we build our lives. So, Lord, remind us of the truths that we saw in Romans. Help us to believe it and then help us to live like we believe it. As we drive the car, that's the gospel, Lord God. Uh, may we get a sense of just how strong we really are now in you. May you complete your promise, Lord, to glorify your name and to glorify your name by strengthening us in this gospel. So, Lord God, that we stand before you in glory, knowing, Lord God, that, uh, wow, this is true. <laughs> knowing, Lord, yes, you've brought us to faith. You've kept us in the faith. And we will live as a result of that uh, before you in joy and glory forever. We thank you for these things. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.